This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It is always a great day to be saving money on your power bill or your energy bill and using technology and living a more sustainable life. I'm Tim Eccles. I'm your host of Energy Matters, and energy does matter, and we try to make that clear every single week on our show. Today in the studio with me, Casey Boyce, my co-host. Casey, how's it going? I'm doing well. Good morning, Tim. Casey, you drive an electric car. What? What's your car? I've got a BMW i3. And you got solar panels on your home. I do. And you you know the brand off the top of your head? Uh, what, uh, brand, what brand you have? I or? do. So they were actually Georgia-made. They were Ceneva panels uh-huh. uh, before Ceneva went out of business. So yeah. um, they were. We, we actually got them because they were Georgia-made. And then when they arrived for the installation, they came in a big box marked Made in China. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, have you got gotten the battery in your home yet? Thing or are you not thinking yet? About I that? keep I keep bugging our guest today about that. So maybe at the end of the show today, he'll uh, he'll take pity on me. Yeah, yeah, why don't you introduce our guest? Sure. So our our guest today is Carlos Restrepo. He's the chief technical officer uh, for a company called Sunnen. Welcome. Glad to be here. Good morning. And Sunnen is S O N N E N. That is correct. Uh, and what's your website? It's www.sonen. Uh, uh, dash battery with ie at the end dot com mm-hmm. dash battery with an ie instead of a y correct dot com dot com okay great so our guests can go there we're also going to be tweeting uh, all throughout the show today you can go to matters radio and casey i'm at casey boyce on twitter uh and i'm sure son sonan has a twitter handle it's uh, at sonan battery and is that also with an ie or, or with an ie with an ie on the end. so maybe that's a good lead-in why is it an ie and and who is Sonin? What do you do? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's IE mainly because of uh, the word battery in German. Uh, Sonin is a originally um, a German company started about uh, about ten years ago, and focused on developing a solution for um, you know to manage or um, allow solar producers in Germany mainly to deal with the notion that um, uh, there were changes in the feed-in tariff rates, um, and basically the one-to-one... And that's how much people get paid for... Uh, that that is correct. Solar and, okay. and so so th- those changes basically started to reduce the amount of um, money uh, so, uh, solar producers uh, will be receiving, and therefore they found uh, that it was better for them to retain that energy, use it for their own purposes, rather than sell it back to the grid. And that was sort of the original concept, and, and at the end of the day, um, it started to proliferate not only um, the, the, the instances of changes uh, on net metering policies, it sort of started to expand across many, many uh, nationalities and jurisdictions. We're seeing the same thing in the U.S. So I think we'll get back to that in yeah. a moment. But, but Tim, you've spent quite a bit of time in Germany talking to leaders of utilities and, and of the government there. Um, and, and we've talked in a previous show about some of the things that you've seen, but maybe give folks a nickel tour of kind of what what's going on in germany as far as the energy system yeah when right i went now. there initially in 2012 and saw all the wind and solar that they were doing how they had you know turned against nuclear energy primarily because of the fukushima accident that really reminded them of what happened at chernobyl which is not too awfully far from germany i thought that batteries were going to solve all the German problems. And and I thought that on another trip, maybe five or six years later, that I would see batteries everywhere, kind of like we're seeing in California. I thought, I thought we would see a lot of electric cars and that uh, the Germans, because they have so much intermittent energy with their, with their wind, which is about two-thirds of their renewables, and then their solar that... Hey, uh, you know, just putting this extra energy in the battery when the wind's blowing overnight, this is going to be great. But they, in fact, have not done that. The Germans, uh, the Germans told me that, look, it's just much easier to use the EU policy and buy from our neighbors. We can buy hydropower from Norway and the Netherlands. We can buy uh, power from the French, and it's cheaper than us standing up. Uh, this you know utility scale battery system and uh, they also uh, seem to casey have a little bit of a a concern that 
that the Asians, uh, Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, would steal, essentially, the technology and dominate it. Like in German cars, they are you know, the premier internal combustion engines in the world. And mm-hmm. they are proud of that. They make a lot of money off that. Even though, you know, Sonnen is, is a German company, and I believe that there were some that thought, you know, this is the answer to all of our problems. But the Germans have, have engineered another solution. Am I wrong there, Carlos? Well, I mean, one of the things that we have definitely seen is that um, energy storage systems do bring a significant amount of balance to the amount of solar that they use or the amount of renewable energy that they produce for the same reasons. Solar energy, wind, is um, is significantly dependent upon the weather, the cloud patterns, the seasonality as well, and therefore it's not something that you can rely on 100% the way you do on centralized production of energy today. So knowing that um, the ability for you to uh, manage that energy, keep it when and, and restore it when you need it, and, and then use it when you need it or, de- or send it back to the grid. It's extremely important in order to have this. One of the things that did happen at some point uh, in one of those record summer months, they produced significant amount of energy, uh, roughly around 37 to 40 percent of the total energy produced at that one day was due to, to renewables. And the problem that that created um, was that because of some of the ways the uh, uh, the devices are designed to operate. Uh, there was a series of fluctuations on the grid that the devices were supposed to disconnect immediately. And what happened is that you, because of a chain reaction, significant amount of the production stopped happening, and, and that created a brownout that translated into a significant amount of loss of power. And so that sort of opened up the eyes as to we have to be careful. When we're talking about renewable energy, particularly solar, um, uh, we have to understand how do we... Uh, able to have inverters connected to the grid and properly um, injecting energy into the grid because even though a lot of us think of the of the grid of the utility grid as a, as a something of an ether or of a big bucket of energy that everybody can either take energy in and put it in it at the end is a bucket of energy and if you take more out of it or you put more into it than it can take like any pipe or any bucket of water it will burst and and it, it will, the, the the whole the whole system will be compromised so I think that is very important to understand that energy storage systems are a key component of the solution moving forward. Casey, this incident that he's talking about, this day when they had all this excess energy, the brownout that occurred, uh, one of the things, and it really is a, a, a marvel of German engineering, one of the things that the Germans did to kind of engineer themselves out of a, a pickle here is through this aggregation law that they mm-hmm. passed, where they began to uh, they they counted the number of renewable resources that they had. I think they've got about six and a half million different unique sites, and they set up these aggregation companies that created algorithms that put devices on all of these uh, on all of these renewable sites, whether that be a windmill or whether that be a solar you know inverter or a, a diesel generator, whatever it is, and the Germans aggregate in 15-minute intervals, and they, they've gotten much better at making sure that they have exactly what they need because these devices allowed them to curtail on, on a very micro scale. And I, I think that, that, that is probably the most impre- impressive thing that I saw is that the Germans were, you know, were head over heels at doing all this renewable. It got them into a little trouble, but they figured out how to get out of well, it. And what, what it sounds like you're describing is is this idea of a virtual power plant. And I know Sonnen has done some work on that in Germany and, and elsewhere. I mean, is that is that kind of your approach as well, Carlos, is looking at multiple devices and aggregating into something larger scale? That, that is correct. So, so one of the things that we definitely see is that um, energy storage systems, because they are basically energy managers, um, have more than one single potential use case or benefit. Uh, definitely, if somebody, in, in the case of our residential applications, if you have a system in a home that could do certain things for you know, optimizing the consumption of energy in the home, especially if you have solar panels or if you have EV charging um, that it also takes place in your home, this is something that can happen. On the other side, there's a significant amount of other uh, important attributes of a system like this in terms of what it can do for the grid, what it can do for the utility. Uh, so, but, but that only 
makes sense in aggregation. That only makes sense when you start putting a bunch of these together. And we so have, if I just have a battery, it doesn't really matter. But if the three of us have a battery, we're starting to get somewhere. Or correct. if especially, a thousand of us have Especially if you can orchestrate their behavior for a common purpose, mm -hmm. which is what virtual power plants will do. So in the case of a particular subdivision or a, 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 a node within a particular grid sector, you can have these units through an aggregator behave in unison. And that would allow, basically, the opportunity of creating a significant impact for the benefit of the stability of the grid. It really is a superior way to, to do things. Uh, and, and, and I do think, Casey, that we're going to continue to move in that direction, starting first, of course, in California, uh, because they've got so much solar on the grid. And as other states begin to deploy more, like Georgia, we're going to find out that we have issues with this or that, and we're going to need to come up with solutions. And we're already seeing that batteries added to solar fields make a big difference. Significant amount. So, And we have seen that um, uh, collaborations with some in very uh, uh, pro what we consider progressive utilities um, um, have opened the doors to, uh, to have that conversation. And it's interesting to sit down in those meetings and see um, how much they want to learn about the capabilities of the systems and obviously how different this is from their status quo in terms of you know, the centralized way of thinking of how to produce energy. And, and I can understand why um, utilities and engineers within those utilities are extremely concerned of uh, devices that are, are completely out of hold, their control. Hold that thought. Okay. And we're going to come back, continue our conversation uh, with Carlos Restrepo with Sonan. Stick around. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make. Like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. BMVW is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town. ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AmLaw 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. Welcome back to Energy Matters. KC Boyce, my co-host. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about the virtual power plants that you guys developed in Germany, where you're aggregating, you're taking a bunch of these home battery storage uh, uh, systems and turning them into something that can do more than just one battery can. Mm -hmm. um, and you're starting to say, you know, there are utilities here that are, are getting curious about what it can do. And we're not Germany, for better or for worse. But tell us uh, about some of the projects that you're doing here, who you're doing them with, and, and what the benefits are for the utilities and for the customers that are living in the homes. So, so we have struck conversations with a lot of utilities throughout the U.S., uh, and, and this is something that is happening constantly pretty much for the last three years. Every, every time is a little bit more and more and more engagements. But today, we have definitely made significant progress on not only uh, working together with utilities, but working with progressive developers as well of communities that see the see the, the, the builders see that as an opportunity to differentiate their residential offering 
whether it's in the form of a apartment community or a subdivision, to connect with some of these potential homeowners or tenants that want to be connected with this movement of renewable energy and being green and all this, this stuff. That allows us to, to get in the, a foot on the door, and then because of the level of aggregation of the these systems, then we're not uh, we're not talking about kilowatt hours, but we're talking about megawatt hours, which so is big. Starts, yeah. So it starts to hit a dent on 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 the radar of utilities, and that allowed us to have sit down on, on utilities like Rocky Mountain Power, um, uh, APS in Arizona. Um, and also Green Mountain Power has done significant work as well. With, they have a little bit of a different program, what do they call it, Bring Your Own Battery programs, right. where they basically enroll battery uh, owners to, to be able to, to, allow, to give control for them to operate it beyond the, the normal use cases inside the home, meaning, you know, keep my solar, let me use my solar. You can use it for um, events in, in dispatch energy into, or, uh, or into the batteries or out into the grid. Uh, in case they need it, let's uh, let's talk about that a little more, Casey, because you've mentioned that on other shows. Yeah, about this green green mountain power. Is that, yeah, break this down. How this works? Because as an energy regulator, I'm very interested in this concept mm-hmm. of the power company being able to rent you a battery in your home. Uh, so, g- give me the pluses and minuses of doing this. Well, I, I think that, well, in, in particular, what I know, in case you probably can elaborate more, m- m- what I know from Green Mountain Power, they, uh, they try to understand how they can use these assets, and they have a, basically a tier approach where the ownership of the battery and the amount of capacity of that energy stored in that battery um, is it's sort of dialed in. So they have different tiers where the homeowner could, could basically buy completely um, the, 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 the energy storage system, and they'll be able to use that energy as they see fit, or they can lease, create all the way up to a lease model where basically utilities have full say on what that energy does, but they give them the benefits of, well, in case the power goes out, you have backup uh, electricity in case a, a tree lands on your power line, and therefore you have the, 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 the street doesn't have any, you will have power, guaranteed power, and some other kind of benefits like that. So they offer So that was a way for them to ad- address a wider market where people that do have the ability to buy these, these systems can buy them outright, or they can take advantage of some of the, the subsidizes or some of the benefits of just buying a portion or completely leasing the system for green mountain power in specific so they're part of the the pjm market which is a kind of regional energy trading market in the northeast one of the things that they've been able to do is put together a couple of different sources of value from these batteries one is reducing the demand charges that they have to pay for energy so in low periods of demand they'll charge up the battery and then they'll discharge it during high periods of demand so they can avoid those uh, high demand charges the other thing that they've been able to do is bid the uh, capability of the batteries to do frequency regulation to keep the grid at 60 hertz into that PJM market. So that's one of the things that's a little bit unique to what they can do versus what we can do here in Georgia because we're vertically integrated. I see. So the $35 price point that they were at, you're saying that at 35, they can provide a pretty high dollar battery and it still be a good value proposition for the utility. Absolutely. And for what it's worth, I think there's probably still that value proposition in a vertically regulated market. It's just that it's less transparent because you can't bid it into another market and and actually point to dollars. There. So what if 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 Georgia Power, the company that I work with obviously on a regular basis and regulate them along with my colleagues, if they had a $50 price point for a leasing a battery, what would be the benefit for Georgia Power customers if they could island that power during a storm, as you mentioned, Carlos? Yep. Uh, what, what else uh, would you say would be would be a value proposition for customers? I guess they can also take advantage of um, uh, some of the aggressive rate structures that allows something sophisticated, basically what they call smart rates. Uh, where like a time of use rate, like a time of use rate, or a tiered time of use rate, where they have multiple time of use windows or multiple rates, uh, where it and it takes the the human aspect of the equation. You can have a battery basically um, dealing with these peaks and and valleys and take advantage of, of of sort of normalizing your consumption throughout and only and optimizing the um, the use of energy based on the the reservoir of that you have. With the with your regular life today, if I wanted to take advantage of that without a system like like a zoning system or any other, uh, you would have to be conscious all the time uh, of what are you doing and when you're doing it. 
And this it sort of takes the, the, the normal living out of the equation. Your equipment, the Sonnen battery, and, and I guess the, uh, the controller, it can do all of that automatically without the consumer having to do anything. That is correct. So basically um, what we do is, is if we program the, 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 the time of use windows into the system um, and the seasonality of it. And that's it. The system then understands where you are and what it needs to do. If you have solar coupled with the batteries, it doesn't have to be. But if you do, it takes that into account as well. And so, Carlos, you talked earlier uh, about some of the changes in net metering um, in the U.S. that uh, you know have have made batteries more interesting for folks. Um, can you kind of quickly explain what net metering is and what those changes have looked like that have made batteries more compelling? Yeah, so net metering, net metering means that it typically um, or originally when you had a, a the ability to produce energy and sell it back to the utilities by what we say feeding into the grid, you could um, basically, you had in some instances, uh, you will receive more money than you will pay for that same kilowatt hour that you send. Uh, and in some instances, you will get a one-to-one ratio, meaning that you will receive if you if you. So if that's you pay, the net, right? That's the net. Yeah. That means that you will pay if you if you were charged seven cents per kilowatt hour. When you feed in equivalent amount, you will get seven cents as well. Okay. What is happening now is that um, uh, the uh, utilities have to deal with significant amount of solar out there uh, in some in some areas, and the concept of changing that feeding tariff or the amount of the, the cost of that kilowatt hour that they will pay you to a lower than what you will pay them. Right. So so with Georgia Power, I think I get paid something like three and a half cents for every kilowatt hour that I put out, but I pay roughly 12 cents per every kilowatt that I use from them. That is right? correct. And therefore, um, a lot of people that either uh, were caught up in a situation where they started and they did all their return of investment calculations on a net of 12 cents per kilowatt hour here in Georgia or in cases like yours. Now, if, if the rate structure has changed for them, they, their ROI goes completely out of whack. So therefore, the system can allow to bring that batting into normality, obviously with the investment of a, of a storage system that allows you to keep that energy. So when you see states that are, are making those changes where they're reducing the compensation, it's not a true net metering. People are getting paid less for the power that they're putting in. It then starts to make more sense to put a battery system in from a financial standpoint, that is correct. right? That is correct. Okay. Let, let me ask you about the the prices of batteries and uh, as the changing composition. Uh, in Brazelton, Georgia, there's uh, the late Don Panos, who owned Chateau Alain, Road Atlanta. He had stood up a company called Green for You. He made a lot of trips to China. He was very interested in this lithium titanate battery. Uh, he was looking at all kinds of things, magnesium, other things. As you think about kind of the future for, you know, battery chemistry. Where do you see it going? Uh, that's a good question. I think that there's a lot of um, a lot of research being done trying to see what is after lithium ion, to be honest with you. Um, I think that um, there's a lot of, by the way, there's a lot of, um, when people talk about lithium ion batteries, there's a significant amount of differences between the variety of chemistries associated with lithium ion. And some of them are better suited for one, some applications, others are better for, for others. Um, I believe that for uh, st energy storage systems in residential or uh, applications, or even in, in commercial applications that are stationary, um, uh, uh, lithium-ion iron phosphate is the most stable and most reliable and the safest out there uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, it's a little bit, uh, in terms of power density, and what that means is uh, how you know, the amount of kilowatt hours that you can pack into a specific volume or a specific pack battery pack is not as aggressive and concentrated as you will find on NMC batteries or batteries that you find on electric vehicles. Um, uh, but the, the fact that you don't need to care about payload because as long as they are installed somewhere and this, they will not be moved um, in, for the life of the installation of that product. Um, and it gives you a, a peace of mind, a safety, and the fact that you can daily cycle that battery for the longevity of the of the of, of the product, uh, but in terms of what I see in the future, um, I, th I think that there's a lot of interesting uh, breakthroughs in in chemistries like zinc ion, um, and uh, where there were some challenges with uh, trying to reduce. Uh, basically, on the longevity of the battery, there's, a, there's something called dendrite growth that could affect the, the life of the battery because dendrites, as they grow, they potentially cause internal shorts. And that's something that 
everybody went through in the lithium-ion era as well, and they resolved that problem. But I think that that is an interesting one. Um, let's let's uh, let's con- let's come back and continue to talk about this battery composition. I want to talk about heat and heat sensitivity. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you why these utilities are building batteries and not putting them under a cover, uh, and they just have them out in the hot sun. Uh, we'll keep this conversation going. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. They're dedicated to energy solutions for both your home and business. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure their clients receive the highest quality of solar energy systems in the industry. Contact CSUSA today at 770-485-7438 or go to creativesolarusa.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Casey Boyce, co-hosting this week with Tim Eccles. Hey there, Tim. Hey, how's it going? Good. And we are sitting down this week with Carlos Restrepo, who is the Chief Technology Officer for Sonnen. And he's joined us to talk about battery storage systems, net metering, virtual power plants, and dendrites. Is that what we were talking about before the break? We finished with dendrites. Okay, there we go. I think we were going to talk about that, but we did. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tim, you you said you had some technical questions for our, our guests today about batteries and heat. Yeah, I went to a couple of sites. I went out to San Diego, to San Diego Gas and Electric, and they had been ordered, all utilities in California had been ordered to experiment with battery, utility-scale batteries. And they had a very short fuse on it, so they had to build something out. They built it on one of their plant sites. Uh, But San Diego, it's pretty hot down there. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I noticed that they were just sitting, the containers were sitting out in the hot sun. They had... Um, I think about eight tons of air condition on each of the container. And think about, to our listeners, think about a shipping container that you see going down on back of a semi down I-16 or something towards Savannah. And then I went down to Fort Myers, Florida, and saw a facility there. And they, too, had the containers, uh, similar air condition systems uh, out in the hot Florida sun, uh, and I'm talking 10 shipping containers here at a big, in this case, a big solar field. So they had solar plus utility-scale batteries. And the very day I was out there, the HVAC contractor was there creating a ballast inside the system to try to distribute the cool air from the air condition because they were having their batteries on the inside of the container degrade faster than those on the outside. In this case, mm-hmm. the air conditions were hanging off the side of the containers <laughs> and not on the top. And I asked him, Carlos, well, why don't you just put this underneath uh, you know, a, a solar canopy or some other canopy and, and keep part of the heat off them? And they said, well, it doesn't really make any difference in the long run. And that seemed counter to me. Uh, so I'm certainly hoping in Georgia, as we do utility-scale batteries, that we put them out of the sun. Well, at, at the end of the day, um, you, you can make the argument that sun loading doesn't affect the longevity, but at the end, every single degree allows you to extend the life of the battery. The, the, the chemistries, batteries are uh, uh, are set, at, at least the status quo of the technology, that they're, they're sensitive to temperature, both extremes, mainly on the colder side, not as hot. But um, good collaboration with, um, uh, with uh, cell manufacturers uh, that we work with, um, like Murata and others, uh, basically that's the challenge. How do we expand that that, that temperature window of operation? Um, and um, two things come to mind. One is is obviously understanding better the chemistry and figuring out how we can um, inherently reduce the amount of um, losses in the in the process of the conduction of electricity in and out of the batteries. Is, is huge, it's important. So l- dealing with losses there so that the extra heat is not there. 
uh, and, and the second part is, is treating the battery, managing the electrons in and out of the battery through, through proper control of the electricity. And this is something that Sonen works really hard at to make sure that what we call the battery management system, which is the controller that dictates uh, the behavior of the batteries and the balancing of the individual cells within what we call a battery module, which is comprised by cells, and then the modules, several modules make a one energy storage system. Um, is important in this process. And part of our intellectual property, part of our, our way of solving some of these problems is, is basically with, with the proper engineering of how those electrons go in and out of those batteries. And so for a utility-scale battery, you can throw you know tons of air conditioning on if you need to and not necessarily be worried about the noise, talk about efficiency some other time. But I imagine for a home battery storage system, how you keep that battery system cool is really important because you don't want something, you know, even if it's in your garage, sitting there making a lot of compressor or fan noise, yeah. right? So, so how do you deal with that? So that is, that is correct. So, so um, it, one of the key things is, is what I said, is managing the losses in the process. So assuming that you have a completely ideal theoretical zero losses system of, because the problem is, is that the energy in the batteries is not the same as the one in your home, because the, the electricity is, is, is AC versus DC and all this other stuff. Okay. Um, and therefore, in that conversion process, to be able to use that energy, you have to, there's some losses associated with it. And the idea is that, you know, you cannot eliminate all the losses in the process, but you can be smart about managing those losses and being more efficient with those losses. What we take pride on is making sure that those efficiencies are as low as possible. One of the things that we're working really hard on is trying to eliminate the use of fans in that process so that it's quiet mm -hmm. and is extremely convenient. The other part about it is that we want to um, uh, create several, yeah, as much isolation of the batteries from the, the external ambient and try not really to use active cooling methods as much as possible. And the reason for it is that um, the, in, in, in the equation of efficiency, either I pay it on managing the heat or I pay it in um, by, by form of heat sinks or, or fans, or I pay it by spending electricity or energy on air conditioning systems. Right, which is the efficiency thing, right? Yeah. If you've got to spend half your electricity on air conditioning, exactly. what are you getting? And if you're saving money on the kilowatt hour, a cents per kilowatt hour, then every kilowatt hour that I'm using to cool the batteries is also a loss in, in, in money. Okay, and so what you're saying is that conversion efficiency, that's what creates the thermal issues for... Uh, for it, home batteries, that, at least that, that is correct, yeah. and then and then you have to deal with the extreme ambience, right? Right. right. Yeah. So so the, the extreme ambience, uh, we have to figure out. But at the end of the day, uh, we, we feel more comfortable on the hotter side of things than on the cooler side of things. Hmm. Uh, meaning, batteries don't lithium-ion batteries don't like the cold weather. They don't like operating at minus twenty degrees C. So Florida, not Minnesota. Correct. Or if it is in if it is in Minnesota, keep it in a garage, keep it in a place where the, where you can manage a little bit better the the, the window. Hey, you know that's interesting, Casey. I was talking about the heat, but what Carlos is saying is that well, maybe in Georgia because we do have temperatures that do dip down into the teens. Maybe it is better to leave it out in the sun, deal with the heat, so that you've got that passive heat in the winter to keep them a little warmer well and, and you drive an electric car like i do and and you know as well as i do that the range goes down in winter right so i, I imagine it's the same kind of thing for for battery storage yeah so one of the things that we we we, we think that the, the future of energy storage is that it has to be robust enough so that it can take the wider swings of an outdoor environment mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we're working towards we believe that because you know, residential space. Not everybody has a significant amount of square footage to put one of these systems in their living spaces. So therefore, I think it's important for us to consider that in the future. So that's interesting. So right now, do you find that most of your customers are installing the batteries indoors somewhere versus outdoors? That is correct. Huh. Yeah. And uh, you typically garage spaces, um, unconditioned spaces, but or at least roof um, uh, covered. Okay. Interesting. You know, uh, Georgia Power uh, did a Pulte home project with a battery in every garage, solar on every roof, island, uh, with an island capability of the third floor game room mm -hmm. that had a television, a little portable air condition, a bathroom, and so you could island that off in a storm, mm -hmm. but the batteries were all in the garage, mm -hmm. so you do have that heat there. This was a pilot project, so I'm interested to see one what the customer satisfaction is of those homeowners a year from now mm -hmm. as we talk with them uh, and also how the batteries are performing against their warranty 
against their duty cycle, you know, according to, you know, the nameplate on the battery. So I think that could be a game changer. And it's great that we're already experimenting with it because Georgia Power was quite proud of the project. I thought it was cool myself, voted for it. Uh, so, but, but I would like to do more of it in the future if it makes sense, Carlos. And that's, I guess, only time will tell on that, right? Yeah, I, I think that uh, as you see the opportunities of, of, of wh whether it is for purposes of EV, managing um, energy for EV, for uh, the sudden demand charges or managing demand, demand sudden demands on the utility um, for, for homes, uh, regulating uh, power or conditioning or managing power at the, at the end node is an interesting way of, of, of really... Uh, enhancing the infrastructure with with very small amount of uh, investment that's the way we see it so it doesn't have to be necessarily coupled with solar although we are zoning from the sun and 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 we definitely work together with solar when you talk about a system that allows you to manage the energy that you can use for charging your electric vehicle when you need it not necessarily when the rate is the best one for whatever reason because things like that do happen that's a benefit uh, that that both allows the, the 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 customer to be to to use these when they need it, uh, and also not impact the grid negatively. Because if you think about a subdivision today that uh, that only have maybe one per every twenty homes or thirty homes one electric vehicle, what would be the infrastructure requirement to bear thirty homes in that subdivision? And and I've heard Carlos, you can tell me whether this is true or not. But to your question, Tim, about satisfaction, that uh, customers who live in the apartments out uh, that project you did with Rocky Mountain Power that you talked about earlier, mm -hmm. that they've actually named their batteries. Is that, that true? That is correct. They name the batteries. Yeah, so, we allow them to to basically put a label on the battery and name them the way. It's, it, since it's part of their living spaces, they will see it there. It's it's so we figure that it would be a cool way to connect with what the battery is doing by naming them. It's something that is going to be sitting probably right next to your couch or right next to your refrigerator, so they name them batteries. Hey, we need to put an article up on our Twitter feeds about this Rocky Rocky Mountain facility. So we'll do that. You can go to Matters Radio, uh, and we'll have something uh, that tells a little bit about this project that Carlos has done. Carlos, just as we wrap up this segment, and we're going to hold you over for one final segment, but are your batteries in... You know, utility-scale batteries, are they stacked in shipping containers or uh, like other batteries, or, or are they deployed in a different way? So so our batteries, uh, we mainly do residential at this moment. We're definitely looking at doing things uh, in the commercial level, bigger commercial, but we're going from the small kilowatt-hour uh, to, to, to a little bit higher kilowatt-hour solutions. Um, but our solution to the utilities is really this distributed energies in the form of VPPs. Yeah, well, let's keep the conversation going. I'm Tim Eccles on Twitter. I'm at Casey Boyce on Twitter. And Sonnen Batteries, let's spell that for you. S-O-N-N-E-N, -N -E Battery, B-A-T-T-E-R-I-E. And it's got I-E on the end. So just uh, hit us up on Twitter. You'll learn everything you'll ever want to know about residential batteries. I'm Tim Eccles. Stick around. We'll be right back. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Tim Eccles here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over Georgia. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. The folks there understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll unpack it all. They've been in business for over 25 years. To find out more, go to SolarSunWorld.com. That's SolarSunWorld.com. Support for Energy Matters comes from BMVW Auto Sales, the only place to get your used electric vehicle in Metro Atlanta. Mosin and his staff will loan you an EV for three days to try it out, and you won't be disappointed with the deal that you get there. 
Check out his new solar canopy while you're there. See more at ev-hybrid.com. ev-hybrid.com. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Casey Boyce, co-hosting this week with Tim Eccles. I'm Tim Eccles, uh, at Tim Eccles on Twitter. And I'm at Casey Boyce. And our guest this week, Carlos Restrepo with Sunnen, has been talking about home battery storage and battery technologies and and things related to home energy. And and Carlos, we've talked uh, already about Sonnen being a German company. Tell us about the Georgia connection. Why are you here and what do you do in Georgia? Originally from Germany, has been in the business for the last 10 years and uh, we're very proud of the German heritage. The Georgia connection came as a a strategic decision when they decided to deploy and, and offer their solutions to the U.S. market. They knew that the U.S. market was different and they saw an opportunity with, uh, you know, Atlanta is a great hub city. Um, it has a significant amount of intellectual horsepower and power electronics. And they saw an opportunity to open an engineer hub here uh, that would allow them to bring the right expertise to develop product for the U.S. market based on the principles and the, uh, and the designs that came from Germany. Now, uh, you, you, so so what, what you will see is that the, the systems are, that we make here in Georgia um, are, are necessarily focused only on the U.S. market. They, they, they tailored to the needs of the market of the U.S. I love that. So of all of the places in the U.S. that Sonnen could have picked, the Germans strategically picked Georgia because of our intellectual horsepower. They did. Obviously, the Atlanta airport is, it was a very attractive. The other part about it is that the overlap between the engineering teams on, from Germany and here, uh, the overlap in terms of time, it was, it was only six-hour gap versus if we were to move to California, that would have been a nine-hour gap. Ah, uh, sure. So, uh, and um, my experience working with European firms, uh, it, it it was, it's extremely important, especially when you're developing brand new products, to have that connection between the teams. One, because we sort of know how to land the technology in the U.S., and the other part is that we keep that constant communication flow going. And so you guys are based in Norcross here, is that right? No, we're, we're based in Tucker. In Tucker, okay, just so just outside of Atlanta. That is correct. Casey, this, this time zone marketability, this is the first I've heard about that, where you know, here's a German firm saying, I'd rather be in Atlanta than San Francisco because of the time zone and make, to make sure our teams can connect during the same business day. Yep. Yeah, that's, I wonder if the chamber's marketing that. I mean, certainly, I certainly hope so. Certainly the German-American chamber, which is very active in Atlanta, and we have a ton of German businesses. So I, I imagine if that works for Sonnen, it probably works for other German firms as well. Yeah. So, uh, Carlos, moving back to the the batteries and and kind of what, what you guys do, you talked about developing something unique for the U.S. market. Um, c- could you maybe talk a little bit about how the batteries are different here than they are in in Germany or the rest of the world? Uh, so, one of the the, the major differences is that uh, when we started with the, the solution in Germany is is mainly for what we call normal grid tied operation, meaning that it's basically engaging this, the, the, the energy from solar for purposes of either putting it back into the grid or using it for regular consumption use. Uh, they don't have as many outages as we do have in general in the U.S. Okay. For whatever reason, the, the, the weather is a little bit milder in terms of, of fluctuation. They don't suffer from hurricanes or tornadoes as we do. Um, maybe blizzards. But, and, and the other part is that a lot of their infrastructure is buried. Ah. And therefore, they don't lose electricity as, as much as we typically do. So if you were to quantify the number of incidents per year, it's almost non-existent. So the typical consumer over there will never, ever see the value um, of paying extra for systems that can do islanding, for instance. They could give you backup in case the grid is gone. Because this is one of the first notions that a lot of people have is that if the grid is gone, but I have a solar panel in my roof, um, I should be able to get electricity. But because of the way... In, those systems are designed you are not allowed to right we had a transformer blow in our neighborhood the other day and we have solar on our house and it was a beautiful bluebird day we had no power exactly and that's one of the things so so for the u.s market we saw significant resonance with backup um it was interesting um uh, for for it was either for multiple reasons one the sense of independence uh, there's a lot of people that are interested or not really being great tied at all for whatever reason um, and therefore, there was that sort of sense of independence. I produce my own energy, I consume it by myself, and that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is resiliency, meaning uh, I want to be connected to the grid. I want to be, you know, I'm, I'm a citizen of 
of of, of the 21st century, I want to be connected to the grid, get my power from where I normally get it. But in those cases, I w uh, that the power is not there, I would still like to, to have my quality of life. And therefore, I, that, that was the other market. But definitely, we could not move away from having a product that did not have a backup solution. Yeah, included. well, I, I think that's super important because, you know, I, I have looked at the uh, cost benefit from a financial standpoint of adding a battery to our home solar system. And with the rates here in Georgia, I can't make it pencil out, not even close. That's correct. But, you know, we, we've talked on the show before um, and I've seen, you know, elsewhere uh, that, you know, new solar systems like the Solarize Atlanta program that happened uh, a ways back, um, you know, they had something north of 60 percent of people who were putting solar on their homes have a battery uh, included in that. And I think a large part of that is for that backup application. Yeah, uh, exactly. At that moment, when you're trying to do it for resiliency, um, you, it, there's no ROI you can pencil in. Um, we have received, well, whether we talk to people that have our systems in Florida, for instance, that uh, in, when, when hurricanes hit, uh, they, they sent us um, uh, messages saying, thank you for, for putting, putting the system here because it allowed me to save X amount of dollars in food that I had on my freezers in my garage. Uh, I mean, and then how do you pencil that in? You don't. It's it's more of an insurance play, if you will. Sure. Um, in Puerto Rico, the same thing. I mean, yeah. even even uh, even now with the situation that they're having with the with the earthquakes that they're having, receiving very positive remarks on the fact that power is gone, but people with solar systems are working. So it's it, it, that would never be out of an American product based on what we know today, uh, because it's extremely important. Casey. The power company has had relationships with consumers where they cycle their air condition off and they paid the customer for that mm -hmm. in order to save energy during the peak. We've uh, hot water systems to be able to do something similar, not Georgia Power, but other, other utilities. I just have to think that if we could get the right number, the right price point, where customers would say okay yeah i would pay an extra fifty dollars you know to have a battery if i could have the benefit of of, of islanding that during the storm in exchange power company i will let you tap into that yeah during hot summer days to help with your peak i would think that there would be a number and i just need to ask the power company to you know to run the numbers if they may have already i don't, I don't know but I'm I'm very intrigued by this, Carlos, of the idea of you know of of doing more residential batteries. Not that you have to spend your money on, but mm -hmm. that you lease from the power company. It's a power company asset, and it and it benefits the entire grid and hopefully puts downward pressure on our rates. I mean, Casey, is it possible? I, I absolutely think it's possible. I mean, you, you need to run the numbers and, you know, have, have folks double check it. But I mean, again, we talked about it earlier on the show, Green Mountain Power is doing something very similar um, up in the Northeast. And, you know, there are, are hard costs associated with managing that peak demand, you know, upgrading transformers, replacing equipment, things like that. And if a cheaper solution is to put in a bunch of batteries that allow you to manage that demand, and oh, by the way, it can do other stuff in yeah. times when it's not peak demand, there are benefits associated with that too. Yeah, and the key thing is that the storage aspect is one component, but the other one is the management of energy. Yeah, um, We have uh, an extension of our product that is called energy automation. And what energy automation does is that not only focuses on looking at your energy in and out of your house, but also looking at critical loads and understanding, managing the when those loads happen for you. So we take seriously not to affect the typical use cases of homeowners and affecting their, their way of living and managing the stackability of these, these different loads so that these peak demands don't come in. So if the utility had access as to when things will be turned on, it's a significant value to the utilities to be able to orchestrate that, not at a one home level, but at a subdivision level where this starts to really matter. The, the problem is that today they don't have that access uh, or, or they don't have access to all those different loads that could contribute in a significant way. To your point earlier, Casey, about your system going out uh, you know, on a perfectly you know, sunny day when the transformer blew, we saw when all those storms came up to the northeast, to New York, New Jersey. New Jersey has a lot of solar up there. They do, and yeah. Those systems weren't island they weren't working folks were out of power it sounds like batteries though and i know the solar guys do this 
uh, for a safe for safety reasons Correct. because they don't want something feeding back onto a, a line that a, a alignment's out there working on. Right. But it's different with batteries, isn't it? It, it isn't the same safety concern that that you would have with a solar system. So so what happens is that think about batteries have sort of two connections, one to the grid and one to the home. And um, and what we do is basically we still are required to island when those conditions and not only prove but actually not connect to the grid. So we still have we are under the same guidelines and regulations that solar inverters are but we what we do is we create sort of like a microgrid bubble inside your home i see and we and because the bubble is equivalent to what the regular pv inverter would see then there's no difference the only thing is that we validate so that, working yeah yeah so and we manage the access of the, basically in in a very small microsystem so you learn everything on energy matters I, we used to joke about folks getting a continuing education certificate just by listening to our show. You're going to be sending those out, right, Tim? Yeah. If they can <laughs> tell me what a microgrid bubble means, <laughs> uh, we're going to we're going to send you a certificate. Just teasing. You can follow <laughs> us at Matters Radio. I'm at Tim Eccles. I'm at Casey Boyce. And we've been talking about batteries and the Sonin battery system. Give us that website one more time, Carlos. It's www.sonin-battery.com with IE. Battery i.e. on the end. I'm Tim Eccles. It has been a great show. Thank you, Carlos, for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me here. It was a pleasure. And Casey, thanks for co-hosting. Thanks, y'all. Have a great day, everybody, and tune back in for some great energy talk and learn why energy matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. You've heard about Jim Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Jim Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M CarService.com.